The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. What's up, what's up, all my barrier-breaking women? It's your girl, AJ Andrews, back with another amazing episode and another amazing barrier-breaking woman. Before I dive into this next episode with this amazing, amazing barrier breaker who is knocking down all the barriers in front of her, I am going to dive into how your girl has been winning in her melanin. And my melanin for this week is your girl went out and bought herself a new car. Big girl status, adult status, and just upgrade status. I am so excited to be celebrating myself. I have worked so hard for this new car. So hard to be able to ride around in my new ride. My Kia, Old Faithful, who's been down for me since high school, has gone all across the world for me. But as I continue to upgrade my standards, as I continue to upgrade my life and all the things that I want for myself, it was time to upgrade to a new car. I am so excited to be riding around in my new car. And if you guys see me feeling myself, just jump right in. It is time that we all celebrate our hard work and celebrate all the things that we've done to get to this next level that we are. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Stepping into it, or actually riding into it with my new ride. Speaking of stepping into their truth, upgrading their standards and upgrading their life, my next guest, Tisha Allen, professional golfer, is someone who is doing just that. She's someone who is owning her truth and really celebrating all that she is and all that she is capable of doing, whether it is her tips and tricks or just going out and being her true self. This next episode, I think you guys are going to love it. Everything Tisha Allen, everything Barrier Breaking Women. Catch you on this next episode. We are back and better with another fabulous barrier-breaking woman on this podcast because you all know I like my girls BBW, barrier-breaking. And today I am talking with the one, the only, Tisha Allen, former professional golfer, social media content creator, golf analyst, and tips and tricks extraordinaire. She is just mean machine with the stick if you know what I mean she has it all down when it comes to all things golf makes it look so easy makes it look so fun and if I didn't have a softball swing she would have already convinced me to start playing golf Tisha (laughs) how are you doing I'm doing good. I, I will say that was a that was a pretty awesome intro. Thank you for that. I appreciate all the words. You said everything perfect. I honestly, I'm not kidding. Like, you know, I've tried golf before because I'm thinking, you know, I play softball, like I swing, right? So I can maybe I can translate it. Absolutely not. Like I slice everything, <laughs> but you you could watching your videos, I I want so bad to be good at it. So bad. We got to work together or something. I yes, got to figure absolutely. it out. Absolutely. <laughs> we can work on it. I can give you some tips with Tish and then you you're going to be just fine. That's literally all I'm <laughs> asking for, Tish. Yes. Tish, in this life of athlete life, content creator life, we are always moving to the next, right? Always looking to our bigger, better goals. We don't take all the time we should to focus on our small wins that we have every single day. So I want to ask you, how did you Mella win this week? I I did score a partnership. Well, I, I can't say it yet because it hasn't been out, but I did score a partnership with a company that everybody's going to know. It is a streaming platform and I already created the content and it's not even the partnership that I'm extremely, I mean, I am extremely proud of that, 
but the content that I made for it, I'm really, really excited to release this ad because it really tested like all my abilities of editing and tricking and dancing and everything. And I was like, you know what, like whether or not this gets good feedback, like I'm personally really, really happy about the way it finished out. So I'm excited to share that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel like all I hear is just cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> you get in those deals booked and busy. That is a mellow win, especially you being able to do all the things when it comes to the content creation. Sometimes you have mm-hmm. the ideas, which one is hard on its own, the creative. Yes. Then you can also edit the material and you create the material. Yeah. How much? I mean, that is a huge win. How much time does it take to put in all of that? Oh, my gosh. I swear, like just like on a like a 15 second video or 30 second video, it really just depends on what it is about. But there, I mean, this one, especially we took three hours to film it one, one long video because the frame couldn't change. And the editing took maybe a full day, a full day of my attention. And then I needed to pass it to my girlfriend to help like refine it. Cause I'm like, this is beyond my talent now. Like, please help me. <laughs> so I was, and so yeah, one full, so a two day project. It felt like. How long is it? It's going to be 43 seconds. listen that is oh my gosh that is unreal watch it's gonna be like the coolest thing ever but just think the time and dedication for that 43 seconds i will tag you in the video and be like hey listen i just need you to look and like and comment because this is what we talked about on the pod so yes absolutely will (laughs) i will praise that 43 seconds you know i think too you know i think even as athletes though right we put in all of these hours behind the scenes no one sees it you don't realize all the hard work the time the mental the physical there's so many things that go into what an hour two hours on the field right I think that's a full representation of who you are as a person you obviously put in that work regardless of what you're doing to have what some people think is a small result but it's huge no I appreciate that I mean I think I think like going from being like an athlete all my life, professional athlete, and then transferring into this world, that's probably like the biggest thing that I took away was that work ethic. Because like, as an athlete, as you know, I mean, those trophies behind you, you clearly know, and that ain't even the best of it. Apparently, I (laughs) I feel like athletes, not to knock on anybody else, but it's like, athletes know how to like weather the storm. And like, even when you're most fatigued and you feel like you're breaking down, you just find this extra bit of energy because when you perform, it's time to perform, it's time to perform. Like, this is what we came to do. And so when it comes to what I do now, that's how I feel when I'm doing like a live performance, when I'm on air, when I'm creating, it's like, it's that adrenaline. I'm like, this is what I trained myself to do. Like I, my body myself, I'm prepared for it. And yeah, that's the perks of being an athlete. You know, it, it can be translated everywhere. Oh, I love that. A word that makes me think of my favorite. I call it the five P's proper preparation prevents poor performance in any and everything. And those two days are preparing for that 43 seconds. And I am, (laughs) I am anxious. I'm so ready to see those 43 seconds. Tisha, as an athlete on the go, as a tips with Tish, I want to know if I can get up in your business real quick. Of course. (laughs) Let's do it. Do you have a power song that gets you hype before you get to the course? So right now, I mean, it's not like super hype, but it's super like moody. I think it's like everyone's favorite song right now. Bruno Mars, 
leave the door open. It's like you put it on and like, like I could be in such a bad mood, you know? And then I'm like in the car because I, I got to get to like whatever and shoot something. I turn it on and you're just like, ooh, like it's just so fresh. And like, you know, you just, you just start grooving and you're like, okay, now I'm calm. Like, and, that, and then, yeah, so that, that's my vibing song right now. Tish, what you doing? Where are you at? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, I love that. So I always like to imagine that I'm dating someone and that I'm calling them because I'm not. So like, I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, this is like the <laughs> cupcake phase. What you doing? Where yeah. are you at? Eventually, when that song comes about, we'll, we'll bring that back a little another time, folks. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is your hack that you do as an athlete just to keep moving and to stay focused? I think it's not even just to stay focused, but it's just to stay present. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes I wake up and I'll, I'll get that coffee always. And I just like kind of say out loud to myself, whether I'm in my car or in the house, I just think of like real quick, a couple things, like three to five things that I'm really grateful for. And then I'm ready to go. I'm ready to perform. I'm ready to just, you know, cause life is just so fast, you know, and, and we're just trying to juggle all these things. And when you do that, it's like, when you are literally saying what you're grateful for, you cannot be in another state of mind. And that was one of the most powerful, powerful things that I've ever been taught because things just get crazy and you just say it and you're like, I feel good. You know, like this is it. Now we're ready to go. So. Oh, I love that. I actually yeah. Yeah, every morning say what I'm grateful good. for to start the yeah. day. Then you're already doing it right. You know, yes. it. <laughs> it does put you in a different mental state. Like you can't mm-hmm. be someone you saw, I think it was my coach back in college. She said, you can't be mad and grateful at the same time it just doesn't work so focus on what you're grateful for yeah do you have a hairstyle that is like your power pony this is this is what this is your (laughs) go-to like you no one can mess with you when your hair is in this style well like when I'm whenever I'm even in a photo shoot or whatever I think it's like they, they often want me to just have my hair down, like, just like how it is. But as an athlete, that's very, you can't, you can't yeah. just perform like with your hair like this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, I wouldn't say it's like a power pony, but I put, you know, I always have that. I got it right now. I got the hair tie. I put it in like a, lo- <laughs> a low ponytail. I bring the curls to the side and then I'm ready to go, ready to perform. Ooh, I'm thinking like red carpet right now and this is how you're going to the field I love that of the course I love that do you have a most embarrassing moment and if you do what did it teach you I guess it's funny because you were at that event and so it just comes to mind now and I'll say it now because I'm homies with those guys now so (laughs) at that event actually I was paired with my best friend you interviewed her too and her name's Isabel and when you interviewed me, firstly, I didn't know I was going to be interviewed. I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what event that was. I was brought in as a guest and I didn't know who was hosting that event. And you asked me, I can't believe this is full, full circle right now. <laughs> and you asked me like, what does it mean to you for the players that are hosting this event to be doing what they're doing? And I remember I just side, I like made a sideline to my, to my friend, like behind you. And I was like, crap. I don't even know these guys' names. I was like, I really don't know. I don't know who I'm here for. I don't even know what sport they're playing. Like, I didn't know anything. And I do I do these celebrity events all the time. I didn't know who they were. And I didn't even know that the guy running the event, last name Matthews, he came to me and yeah, yeah. And he came and he was like, I'm so happy that you're here. I love your stuff. I love what you do, this and that. And Iz was like, my friend was like, did you meet them? And I was like, I don't know. And then when you asked me that question, I was like, I still don't know. We played the almost a full round. 
didn't know. And I think I just brushed it off with like, yeah, I love what the, I love what these athletes are doing, you know, yeah. to, to give back. You, you know, winged just it. Real, I remember real, you winged real. it. It was good. It was good. Real broad. But then <laughs> as, as soon as you walked away, my friend was, she, she was, Isabella, she was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't believe you got away with that. It's only you can think of something on the spot to just like bypass their names. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I don't really know why I'm here. But um, anyways, yeah, I learned to uh, make sure I know what why I'm at an event and who I'm there for at all times in case a pop-up interview comes so that's that (laughs) are you a Gemini I'm not a Gemini okay I was trying to think I was trying to give you no Gemini's we're good at thinking on our feet so I was just curious you want to know what I am Uh, yeah Yeah. I'm a Leo okay I'm a Leo yeah I don't know if they're really known to be quick on their feet but they are very I guess spontaneous and like out there we like to be in the spotlight Clearly, that's like my job. So. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Next time you're at a celebrity event, which I feel like is going to be soon because you are just so. you are taking <laughs> names out there. We're just going to know what we're there for. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it before we do the interview. Yeah. Tish, I want to pivot a little bit. And with barrier breaking women, mellow winning, winning in your melanin, you being a beautiful Filipino golfer I want to ask you when's the first time that you really fell in love with your skin and who you are you know I was actually born in Rockford Illinois raised in Chicago and then moved to a small town it's called Lake in the Hills Illinois and I was one of I was probably the only female young young girl golfer there and it was a very very white dominant area And I remember thinking that I would think I was like seven or eight years old thinking, why, why am I this color? Like I I don't fit in. And, and I felt like I was out of the picture. I was not cool. I was not a part of the in crowd being in that. And then also being in a sport that is very, very, you know, white dominant. It has made strides in the last few years, especially, but yeah, and it's also a male dominant sport. And so it took me, I think, a while to like be really comfortable with it. And I think probably wasn't until I moved to California, really, which was middle school. And I noticed just how much diversity there was. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's like, there's a Filipino crowd, you know, and, and everybody's mixing and mingling. You don't even need to be Filipino to hang with you know, other people. You could just be like literally everybody and anyone. And I love that. And I thought that that made such a huge impact on me. And eventually, you know, going to college and then being in the social media and kind of being in that spotlight, it was like, I'm so proud to be of color. I'm so proud to be different. How many people can say that they're me? Like no one, you know, I don't think anyone's going to find another person like me. And I think that's amazing. So yeah, really good question. I like that. Very powerful. Oh, I love that. I love, I remember too, when I think about falling in love with my skin. I grew up in the suburbs of Florida around a lot of white individuals and mm-hmm. softball is a sport that is also predominantly white. You know, you get this feeling or this moment at a certain age where you're like, I'm different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or someone makes yeah. you aware of it. For me, someone made me aware of it. It wasn't even like me being around so many different people made me feel a certain way. It wasn't until someone actually said something to me that I was like, oh, you guys really see me for my skin first before everything else. And, you know, it took a while for me to fall in love with that. Did you experience any racism or stereotypes growing up playing golf because you are Filipino? Yeah, I have. And 
like now being older, reflecting back on that time, you never really realize what exactly, like, what is racism? You know, like when you're younger, you don't understand what those words are. You don't really under, you're not aware that like suddenly the color of your skin changes things, you know, and you're naive and you, you just hope for the best of the world. And now looking back, I'm like, man, that's messed up. That's really messed up. So this was, I think, eight years old in that small town I was telling you about in Illinois. It was Lake in the Hills. I was training at a golf course. I was already the number one female golfer in Illinois for my age division. And so it wasn't uncommon for me to be approached. My dad would always be my caddy. He would be the one training me. A lot of golfers would come up to my dad and be like, is that your daughter? You know, does she want to make it to the tour? You know, very complimentary. And I think my dad ate that up. He loved it. He lo- He was like, that's my daughter and I'm proud, you know? And this one encounter wasn't that. And this elder white man came to my dad. He said, is that your daughter? And he said, yeah, that's my daughter. And he said, does he, does she want to go pro? And, and my dad said, yeah, hopefully one day. And I'm just practicing. I'm just kind of listening, but I didn't really know what was going on. And from what I recall, that elder white man told my dad something of the sort of, she's going to have to work a lot harder because she's not meant to be in the sport. And he referenced to my skin color. My dad was extremely upset. I I remember looking at him and seeing so much emotion run through that, that like few second reaction. And he was really upset. He was really mad. He told, he told the man to get away and to never come near us. We took my golf bag. We went to the other end of the range. I remember turning to my dad and I said, what, what happened? You know, I had anticipated there was another person just coming up to say, you know, a compliment or whatnot. And he said, it's discrimination. And he then told me, you know, you may not understand it now, but I want you to know that no matter what happens in life, whether you're going to be a golfer or not, I want you to be the best at what you do so that there's never a question why they shouldn't choose you regardless of your skin color. And I think it's because like, as much as that moment really hurt my dad and it, and it hurts me now thinking about it, it's because of that moment that I were, I know I work so hard because I never want that to be a question of why my ability, you know, isn't the one to choose. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it's so often where people of color, but specifically women of color, right? Because already Mm -hmm. as women, we're looked down upon or looked to, we have to do X, Y, Z to match up to these men in society's eyes. But then also as women of color, we now, because we don't fit maybe a certain standard of what you're supposed to look like or what people are Mm -hmm. used to seeing in a sport, if we get these opportunities, we have to make sure that it was because we were that good and not because someone yeah. was, it was not charity. It was because right. we deserved it. Yeah. How did that, I know thinking you t- say, thinking about it now, it makes you feel really sad in those moments where you're having those conversations with your dad and the, your mindset had to switch. What did it begin to focus on when you talk about having to work hard? What was your thought process? I mean, especially at that time and moving forward, the goal was always to be a professional golfer. And so for me, it was just, it wasn't as if I wasn't working hard already. I was, I was a top junior golfer, top in Illinois. And so for me, it was like, all right, so what is going to be something that no one's ever going to question? We got to be the best in the state. We got to be the best in the United States. We got to make it to these events. We got to do this. And it was like, whatever was like a world qualifying or a junior qualifying or what have you. I think it actually added pressure on me in, in some in some ways because I know I wanted to never be questioned. And professional golf didn't work out for me, but I think what came of it is something better. And I think now I've put myself in a place where it's like, I know I work so hard 
that I shouldn't be questioned. I think people know what they're getting when they want to work with me. And that's really, that's all I worked so hard for. It was, it was that moment that taught me all of this. Honestly, I just feel like keep going, working hard, proving that you deserve it. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, from watching everything that you've done, there's no doubt that there's the people are, people are just not doing what you're doing. It's just not happening. Right. When you think back to it now, and you think about young girls that potentially are having to face those same types of levels Mm -hmm. of discrimination, how does that make you feel? How do you feel like it can be changed? I mean, I think it's just like having more of that conversation, you know, and I think that's why it was so important to share, like, even that I'm sharing it with you, my story, that encounter, because I'm sure other young girls, especially have gone through an instance and maybe they don't even realize how bad that is. And I think there's there's so much power in having these conversations, sharing it, using a platform for good and letting them know that there are other examples out there that you can look to, to help you work through instances like that. And that like, when you hear that, like, it's okay to be upset about it. It's because that's not, that's not okay. You don't go up to someone and treat someone like that. And I know what, when I was younger, I certainly didn't have a me to look at. And had I had that, hearing those conversations, the moment I understood them, I think would have been really powerful for me to be able to be stronger in moments where I felt suppressed or belittled by a lot of times older men, because that was always what I was facing in golf. And I think just the power of having a role model is so, so big, no matter, no matter how many followers you have, if you've gone through an experience, like you can affect someone. If you're going to affect one person, then that's everything. If you affect more, even better. Boom. We are in, (laughs) we are in the business of impact. Yes. Barrier breaking women wanting. I feel like that deserves a barrier breaker alert right there. <laughs> barrier breaker alert. You being someone, you just spoke the truth, right? Representation is so important yeah. to where it just takes me being able to see you look like me in those positions to say, I can do that too. Or hear your story about where you were discriminated against and say, oh, she went through it too. And she was able to prevail. So mm-hmm. can I, she decided yes. to work harder. So that is what I'm going to do. Right. It really is that simple to start the trend of people being able to overcome whatever it is that they're facing. What do you feel like when it comes to you talk about this touch on a little bit earlier where golf is predominantly male? Mm -hmm. What do you feel like are the disparities between the way women in golf are treated and men? Yeah, I mean, shoot. There's a lot. We can, we, we can, we can, we can talk about yeah. this. I mean, shoot, I mean, all of, all of women's sports, you know, right. Like right. we're all, we're all fighting for it, but right now I know that things are in the works for hopefully things to change, but the actual number is the PGA tour, which is the men's elite tour makes four times more than the LPGA tour, the ladies tour. And that's the elite. Okay. So just like baseball, as you know, there's like a minor league, a middle league, and a major league. So if the disparity between the major leagues are four times, I can't even tell you the grind I went through from the, you know, the beginning leagues and the middle leagues. It, it really ends careers. It ends a career because women cannot afford, especially in golf. So the way golf works is you basically fund yourself. You find your own money. You find your own sponsors. The moment that you want to come out the gate and become, and become a professional and entry fees, caddies, travels, all that, like one tournament entry fee is around $600. And it's, it's kind of the same between men and women. Men can have a little bit more of an entry fee, but even in a mini tour event, guys can win 50,000 and up 
and a girl would be lucky to see a $10,000 check for first place. Now cut to second and they get that cut in half. So even if a girl makes a cut, it, let's say that's 50% of the field, if they make the cut, that doesn't even afford them their losses. It's so the money disparity is huge. The visibility is such a big, big disparity as well. And I get it. All the guys are going to yell and say, and I've, I've posted about this. I've bought off people over it. And I was like, okay, I need to lay off the heat with my fingers because I cannot keep, I cannot keep replying to the trolls <laughs> right now that the more viewership, the more dollars, blah, blah, blah. I know I'm not dumb. I work in media and I was a professional athlete. I know this stuff. And when you're putting these girls out at terrible hours, you're giving them limited hours and they get third in, in terms of viewership. It's like they have the PGA tour comes first. The second PGA tour event will come second and then a women's tour. So they get terrible hours when they're viewed. They don't get enough hours when they're viewed. How are we ever going to fight that disparity if you don't even give the girls a same fighting chance? Like, I want to know the numbers if they actually had the opportunities that the men do. And then let's have a talk with the women on tour and be like, okay, listen, this is what we need to work on. There needs to be more entertainment value, whatever. But they've never had an equal chance. And the fact that we all, among all sports, had to keep on yelling about it until it's done is terrible. It should just be done. You know, there is no like, oh, we're getting better. Like, I wish it could just be like, let's just decide. Like, let's just all as a group hold hands and decide, let's make it all better for all sports across the board. Like I saw, now, now you got me heated. <laughs> I saw uh, this, I don't, I don't even know what it was. Maybe it was like on ESPNW, uh, the disparity between women's basketball and men's basketball. And if golf is at four times more for the men <laughs> basketball league, I was like, oh my gosh, like some, like we need to create a fund for the women's basketball league because I, I could not believe the disparity. And it's like, these girls have been trained their whole lives to be in the WNBA and you are going to pay them like that, like they're the most elite female athletes in basketball and you're going to pay them that. It was like, I think peak $80,000. And we already know like what Steph Curry and LeBron and, and, and granted, they have so much entertainment value. They're so much fun to watch, but like, oh my gosh, you can't cut them a piece. Like what the hell? Yeah. I mean, I'm literally getting, I'm getting hot. Yes. I mean, I, I know you know this world too. And I mean, I don't know enough about your sport and the, and the, and the disparity there, but there's just so much work that can be done and, and money and viewership is the biggest part of it. People speak to our sports for women as if right we don't bring in X, Y, Z, the way that the men give as well mm -hmm. to make it as an excuse as to why we don't get this coverage or we don't get the investments, whatever it may be. But in reality, we are not allotted the same opportunity to perform or to excel the way that they are to then prove that we do deserve that same type of investment, even though it yeah. has been proven right through over this course of this past year, even alone, it's been proven that women in sports need to be invested in and we will return that investment. It is a beautiful yes. thing. Yeah. You know what? You're right, Tish. Let me calm down because I'm getting <laughs> fired up too. I just, those conversations, it just, you really wish it would just, as you said, just boom, here we go. All right, women in sports, let's get this going. This is what you deserve yeah. and let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. For you though, playing golf and, you know, going pro, you went to Cal State Fullerton. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Love it yes. out there. And going <laughs> pro in 2015, 
What mm-hmm. does, you talked about a little bit where you said there's levels. What does the journey yes. actually look like to becoming a pro golfer? So it can vary between players. Like there are some like, you know, very elite players, like a player like Michelle Wee, uh, who is, you know, one of the most renowned players on tour. And she didn't have to necessarily go through the college route to go professional. There is an age limit to going professional, but basically it's kind of like on your own terms and and no one needs to tell you like, okay, you are now granted a professional card necessarily. Like it's not like that when you start out. So as soon as you feel like you have the ability, a lot of players go through college. I went through college. I felt like I needed that extra experience. I wanted to see the competition at that level and see like, is it worth going pro? And I felt like I did well. All right, let's keep going. So I declared myself as a professional as soon as I graduated. That came with, you know, finding the funds and then going into the surface tour level circuit, which is called the mini tour circuit. There's a few mini tours out there for women. There's a lot more mini tours out there for men. And with that, you use that for kind of play time and just, you know, uh, getting more tournament experience under your belt. And then there's a big event and it's called Q School. It just got uh, renamed to Q Series. It's a big, big tournament, a compilation of three events within one hosted tournament. It's every August for women. And you basically go up against all the golfers who want to be the best pro golfers. And you have to try and make the cut. And if you make that cut for the first stage, then you go on to October for second stage and you play against those girls. You got to make the cut again. And then you go to third stage and then the third stage is the final. And you literally have to be the top of the pack, like literally among all professionals who are trying to be professional, like point, I don't know, five of them actually get to make it to the big, big tour. And it's hard because you have to basically prove yourself in like one event. Like you can play, you can win all the mini tour events, but then if you bomb this tournament, this one series, you can lose it all. And then you got to wait until next year to qualify again. So that's the main way people do it. And there's a middle tour. And let's say if you don't quite make the cut in, in Q school, then you can get status on the, the middle tour, which in U- United States is called Symmetra Tour. And if you perform well enough on the Symmetra Tour, they grant 10 LPGA cards for the best performing girls on the Symmetra Tour. So it's all performance-based. This is not like you can go from beginner pro to like the elite pro in like a month or something. And this is like, it takes like on average, I think eight to 10 years for a, a professional to make it to the ultimate platform. And even then those girls don't even make enough to live all the time. You know, you got to be top 50 of the best, best. So a lot of process of elimination. <laughs> I'm right. For those that, yeah, you can't, no one can all see me. But my mouth was just wide open. That is, I did not know the process eight to 10 years to get to that. On average, on average. average, Okay. Yes. That's like, that means that girls have tried to go to Q series probably six to seven or eight times, or they live on that middle turn, that middle tour, Symmetra tour. And they keep on grinding on that tour, maintaining status on that tour until they're top 10 on that tour to then get LPGA status. What's it like in your sport? You get drafted. Oh, drafted, drafted. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Yeah, just, it's a little quicker. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very different. We don't get drafted. We just choose a life and then we choose to keep grinding for another seven to 10 years. Yeah. It's crazy. I, that's exactly why I had to, I had to step away. You know, I was like, do I want to do this 
for another five to seven years for a chance, you know? And I was like, I can't. And I was getting media opportunities. And I was like, Mm -hmm. why would I say no to these media opportunities that are giving me more money than an entry fee? Like, I should just make this full time. And um, eventually that's how that's how I crossed the bridge. Into becoming this social media content creator, tips and tricks, extraordinaire. <laughs> Gonna touch on that a little bit. As I remember, you talked about how it was someone that you played golf with or had been around a lot in the golf course that actually encouraged you to build up your social impact and just continue to mm-hmm. do more on social media. And you danced when you were younger, bringing yes. that onto the course yeah. as well. Was it nerve wracking? Because in my opinion, you know, you don't see that very often in golf, right? <laughs> People just like yeah. kind of letting loose. Is that oh something gosh. that took courage? Did you get negative feedback? Like what your journey oh to my becoming gosh. that social creator? Yes. Yes to all things. I was nodding before I even finished. Um, <laughs> yeah. So 2016 was the first time I put out a dance of myself on my social media. That's when social media hit the golf world pretty hard and golf started kind of becoming cool and whatnot. And I was, you know, competing to be a a professional. I'm here trying to score these sponsorships and whatnot. And my little sis at the time, she like is a performer herself. She's more on like the entertainment side. She's a singer and a dancer and all that. And she was like, you should hit this dance. And I'm at, and I brought her to practice with me. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, we're not going to do that here. I'm practicing. And she, and it was a juju on the beat. Hey, I don't know if you remember that yes, one. Of yes, of course. So <laughs> it was a juju on the beat. And she said, you should do it. I know you know the dance already. And the video, like, if people are like, oh, it was fake. It was, you know, it was planned. And I'm like, no, it really wasn't. Like, I really didn't want to do it. And you see me, like, I literally put the club down. I'm like looking around, making sure no one's around. Then I throw the club down and then I, and then I do the dance. And I remember I posted it because my little sis said, you just, just post it, just do it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Just delete it, you know? And I put my phone away and I was like, just nervous. I was like, I can't believe I did that. I might lose, I might lose any sponsorships. Like, that's so unprofessional of me. You know, golf is also this sport that's so like, supposed to be so refined and so posh, you know? And so bringing the hip hop world, which is like the world I grew up in and I love, and I I brought it and I brought this energy, you know? And I was like, I'm going to lose everything. And (laughs) opened my phone the next day and it went off. At that time I had gone viral and it was the first time I had seen anything like it. And I had so much, there was some bad, but so much good response. And I couldn't believe that it was like, people loved that I played golf and I was competitive at the time and I danced and they loved that energy. And I was like, Oh my God, like, of course, because golf is not known to have this kind of energy. Like I could bring this energy. And that was the start of it. Like that's now my mission just to show how fun golf is for me and how fun it is if if other people want to join. And that's, that's it. When I tell you, how I said earlier, you make me want to be good at golf, but then no one has done that, right? You, you know, you watch golf and it looks like something you do to relax or to chill. It doesn't look like something I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out the time of my life playing golf, right? But you made me think <laughs> like, oh, this looks like it would be so much fun. So your goal and yes. aiming to get more women and just to get more people excited about the game of golf it's working just in case you need it. I'm sure you know that, Thank but in you. case you need it Thank a little you. more, it is working. <laughs> Tisha, I love that story because it truly dives into 
changing the it is what it is mindset, right? Golf is looked at Mm -hmm. this one Mm -hmm. way and women in sports were always looked at one way, but we as Barry Breaking Women are changing the it is what it is mindset to it is what I make it. I want to ask you, what was one moment when someone doubted you or told you what you could or could not do and you proved them wrong? I've been told many times, especially the moment I moved into the media world, that I can't do more than one thing. And I knew that doing more than one thing was always going to be challenging, but I certainly have proved them wrong. And I think in a lot of ways, people may not take me so seriously because I do show that fun side in golf. And, you know, I am the content creator. I think I can, I think I can say I'm like a leading person in that space in the golf world. But when it comes to being a golf analyst or, you know, doing the trick shots or being an entertainer or hitting, being the professional at an event, I hope that these people realize that I am not bad at those things. Like there's a reason why I have a few different pillars in my career. And it's because I was able to just work hard enough to be good at more than one thing. Like I didn't just wake up and say like, ah, you know, I want to do, I want to be a golf analyst. I want to do trick shots. I want to dance. I want to do tips. I want to be an an official instructor. Like people don't know I'm going through school behind the scenes. You know, people don't know that I'm, you know, I'm training and making sure I'm working out and making sure that I'm healthy so that I can sustain this energy for people. You know, people don't know that I'm practicing so I can still show up to these events and still hit like a pro. You know, people don't see that part. They only see the performance part, the outcome, but they don't know what it takes for each of those little pillars to work and work well. She is doing all the things. I don't know who told you that you could not, but you are making it look (laughs) easy, my friend. Melanated and celebrated, where we celebrate (laughs) all of the beautiful women blessed with melanin. And today talking with Tisha Alin, celebrating that beautiful melanated Filipino golf extraordinaire. (laughs) I am so excited with everything that you're doing using your social media, the content that you create to now have been creating women with drive where you are really aiming to get more people into golf. Why did that become Mm -hmm. one of your goals? And what are Mm -hmm. you, what are you really aiming for with that platform? So with that platform, we actually, it was myself and one of my best friends, uh, Nikki B, and we wanted to take over that platform and really use that following to showcase other female golfers of all status. You can have a professional swing, you could just be having a good time on the course. We just wanted to show a bunch of people because we had already built that following up and we just wanted to show people like how many girls play the sport and how many girls can perform at an elite level. So unfortunately, myself and my my best friend, we don't run that account anymore. We put, we separated ourselves from that account back in uh, 2018. And at that point, that's when my, myself and my, my friend, we decided to focus on ourselves and work on our individual platforms and making sure that we keep preaching the word of, you know, grow, growing women's golf getting more girls into the game and whatnot. And so oftentimes her and I will connect and we'll do like, you know, um, one-off events where we just like host a girls golf day, a girls golf trip or girls golf gathering, because like a lot of boys like to go on a, a boys golfing trip. And I'm like, yeah, well, screw that. I'm gonna go and go get my girlfriends. We're all going to go to Cabo and without you guys. So, 
yeah invite me invite me (laughs) yes Yes, I, I got you yeah and so that's really always been the mission with the platform or without the platform it's just to always do it for all the girls and for all the girls that are just now getting into the game especially we need that you know spaces where women just feel welcome feel seen and feel like we can do all the things that you are doing so i think that that is amazing that that is what you were pushing out on your platform to really give that courage as i said if i didn't have a softball swing i would already be bought in (laughs) i am bought in Tisha, I want to dive in a little bit, melanated and celebrated to your courage, because you have been so courageous throughout your journey in golf, whether it was facing discrimination or it was breaking out those dance moves on the golf course, changing a culture, bringing more Mm -hmm. women and getting them more excited about the game of golf to you also coming out in 2019. Mm -hmm. The pride that I saw in you (laughs) and the way the conviction in your voice and the way that you spoke to it. So, I mean, I watched, I don't know, four YouTube videos of you speaking to this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I just, every time I was just in awe of your presence when you spoke to this and we talk about the power of representation. Why was it so important to you to make sure that you told your story? Oh man, we could talk about this topic forever. I mean... So again, to what we were speaking on before of just being able to have that representation to look up to, because again, that was another space that I didn't have. When I was trying to figure out my identity and who I am and what I like, that was also during the period of me going professional, which was extremely, extremely hard to balance my ability with my internal battles. And I wanted to let people know that they are not alone in that, whether you're an athlete or not, whether it is trying to fight balancing a performance base with trying to figure out your sexuality or trying to balance maybe cultural battles and religious battles that you may be facing internally with your family and whatnot, and knowing that you can, you can overcome this. And A lot of people have also approached me and friends too, saying like, why do you feel the need to do this? Like, you don't have to do this. You can just be. And I was like, y'all don't understand because I was never allowed to just be. This Mm -hmm. is why I have to do this. Because if I could just be, I would have never been scared. I would have never been worried about my family accepting me. I would have never been worried about golf accepting me. I wouldn't have ever been worried about my peers accepting me, you know, everyone. And because I had all those doubts in my mind, that's the reason it had to be talked about. And I had to push that conversation. And at one point, I hope that the world is to the point of saying that, oh, okay, cool. You have a girlfriend, like, and not letting it phase them, not even having a facial reaction, you know, but we're not there yet. We're not at the point of like, I don't care what you are. Uh, great. If you don't care what I am, great. Then we're, you're in a good place. But guess what? There's a lot of people in this world who are certainly not. A lot of times that they feel threatened. And I wanted to make it apparent in the sports world that, of course, it's okay. You know, and culturally being Filipino, the background, and, you know, there's a lot of um, religious and cultural beliefs in there. Like, it is okay. And showing to other Filipino families and those of, you know, Asian background that, like, hey, your child is okay. There's nothing different there. They're the same person that you've always been proud of. And, you know, you're allowing them to be, and there's nothing more that you should be proud of than that over all their accomplishments. It should be that allowing them to live and be happy being who they are. And so there's so many things within that, that I wanted to represent 
And I thought, what better way than being ready to come out? And that was the ultimate reason. And I had to make sure that my family and like my closest peers and my team were okay with it. And as soon as I got like the go ahead and I got the support, especially from my mom, that was like the person that like, you know, I needed to have back me up for that. I knew that whether it succeeded or it didn't, I had the people that I love in my life, they had my back. And the response was amazing. It was maybe 90 or, or more percent positive. And the amount of stories that I still get on a daily or weekly basis of I'm struggling or your story has helped me or I need advice, like that's what I live for. It's not about how, I'm, how much I succeed anymore. Like I, I bear more responsibility, but I could not be happier to help other people on their journey and hear their stories and just help them get through it because I know what that shit feels like. Oh my God, was it so painful? And no one knew that side of, of the pain that I had to go through in all aspects. I felt like I lost my world. And overcoming it, it was, it was everything. I had to do it for all the reasons. I had to do it for me at the end of the day too. The power in that. <laughs> Truly. I yeah. was like yeah. getting a little teary-eyed listening to you just because <laughs> I feel the one of the most courageous things anyone can do is to live and be authentically and 100% themselves in a world yeah. where we are consistently judged no matter what you do, who you are. And then you then being put into a marginalized group. Now mm -hmm. it's like, I'm so scared of how these people are going to perceive me, what they're going to think. And for yeah. you to just say, this is, I don't care what you think, you think, you think, as long as my family's okay with it, I want to make this known. What mm -hmm. feeling did you get once you were finally able to be authentically you? Oh my God. Don't make me cry now. <laughs> Shoot. Ah, um. I felt like, ah, uh, my God. I felt like I was really living. I felt like I was living. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had always, I felt like, lived so much of my life impressing others, you know, trying to prove people wrong, make my family proud, you know? And shit. That was, that was a moment for me. I felt like, I felt like, I had a, a truck on my shoulders for so long and trying to be this, like, and I, I am truly positive of a person. You know, I am this vibrant person. It's not like I'm faking that, but there was always something on my shoulders through that, through that time period. And when I did it as scary as it was, as much as I had to throw that phone away again, I finally felt like I was living. Like I felt like I could breathe. And that was such a crazy feeling that it, it felt physical. It felt, it literally, I felt my body change. I felt like I was actually everything who I wanted to be, finally. And the world can know it and they can judge me, but I don't care because this is it. You know, this is me. And I felt like I was living. And that's just like the best way to describe it. <laughs> Girl, you got me crying right now. It, just, I, the warrior words are so impactful, powerful, and you being able to live, just live <laughs> unconsciously, give someone else the permission to do the same, right? I think all of us, the representation that we give, whether a Filipino woman in golf, or it is a black woman in softball, or it mm -hmm. is someone coming out and saying, this is, this is who I love. And that just is what it is. 
that we are giving so many other people the power to feel like they can also do that too. And you have so many things that you, I'm proud of you for, but I want (laughs) to ask you through your career, what you've been able to achieve, what you're still achieving. What Mm -hmm. are you most proud of? I'm definitely most proud of quite literally paving my own path. You know, there is no degree in influencing. There is no degree in being able to try and achieve multiple facets and multiple types of jobs within your industry. There is no degree for that. And for everybody who had doubted me and told me that you can't do more than one thing and that what you're doing is not even a job, I was able to shut that down. And literally, quite literally, the awesome thing about social media is like whatever you want to make happen, you can. Whatever vision you have, you can. And the only thing stopping you is quite literally your own fear. And knowing that I was able to create my own path has been the most powerful thing I think I've ever felt within myself, pairing that with being able to come out. I'm really happy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm happy with the grind that I have. I'm happy with my job and everything that I've done so far. And I know that if I was talking to younger me, younger me would be crying with me right now. It's a lot. What do you think younger you would say to you right now? Uh, I don't even know if she would say anything. I think she would probably cry and probably just like, we'd probably just hug each other. Because younger me, not even that much younger than me, like even just like six years ago, me would have thought that her life was over and that there wasn't anything for her, that professional golf wasn't going to make it, that trying to figure herself out, it wasn't going to be worth it, that I was never going to be accepted, you know, all, all these things. And so I think younger me would be so proud of, of who she is now. And I think she would just probably tell her like, you're everything I hoped for. And you'd probably cry it out <laughs> after that. <laughs> this has been honestly such a powerful conversation. And I feel all, I have all the feels right now, all the feels <laughs> from everything that you have done, everything you've accomplished and everything that you've spoken to. You are truly speaking life into someone that's listening. You really are. And so, so grateful that you came on. want to close this amazing conversation with my quote of the week that I feel is so fitting to this conversation (laughs) with this amazing barrier breaking woman. Courage does not mean to be absent of fear, but to move forward despite of that fear. Courage is one of those characteristics that must first be challenged before strengthened. You will not wake up one day with courage, but you will find yourself with more opportunities to be courageous. Always choose the courage to be yourself. Thank you all so, so much for joining me today. Me and the fabulous Tisha. Tisha, please tell everyone where we can find you. Watch your tips and tricks and all the amazing things that you're doing. You can catch me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, basically all the platforms, Triller, at Tisha Allen, T-I-S-H-A-A-L-Y-N. Perfect. And you guys, I'm <laughs> telling you, I, um, I'd i said it, I don't know, eight times this episode, but really though, watch, you will fall in love with golf if you're not already in love with it. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, download, rate, comment, and all things podcasts. 
Fairy Breaking Women. Thank you for joining and I will catch all you BBWs later. Thank <laughs> you.